Does anybody know the byline for the weather of March? In like a, out like a, this year's been different, that's right. Keep that in mind as we have our message today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for um, for giving us these times to <coughs> immerse ourselves, Father, in, in the truth of, of your word and uh, in these times that are set aside just for just for a special thing, as Jason was saying, a time of when your scriptures and certain parts of it become more intense, more real to us as we think deeply about this week that we're in or this week that we call Holy Week and we pray Father that uh, Lord you would help us to glean from your word today uh, what the spirit would say to each one of us in Jesus name Amen so like um, Jason said it is Holy Week and so um, today's Palm Sunday and if you look it up, there's Holy Monday and Holy Tuesday and Holy Wednesday and Monday Thursday and Good Friday and Holy Saturday and I don't know why people call it Easter, it's really resurrection, but it, it takes some practice to get away from the culture and say resurrection, right? So next Sunday we'll say, He is risen, right? Thank you. Um, so let's read what um, Matthew 21, we're going to be in Matthew 21 beginning, but we're going to go a lot of different places, uh, which I tend to have a habit of doing, whether it's good or bad. But um, Matthew 21 uh, is an account of what happened that particular day. So when they, which is speaking about Jesus and his disciples, when they had approached Jerusalem and had come to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied there and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them. This book shall, yeah, this book. Thank you, my, my eyes are. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. That prophet is Zechariah. Um, Say to the daughter of Zion, which daughter of Zion, if you, uh, it's either speaking about Jerusalem or the Jewish people. Say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them and brought the donkey and the colt and laid their coats on them. And he sat on the coats. Most of the crowds spread their coats in the road, and others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them in the road. The crowds going ahead of him and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna uh, means 
uh, pray or deliver us. So Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When they had entered Jerusalem, all the city was stirred saying, who is this? Well, who is this? We're going to look at who is this a little bit this morning. Um, it continues in verse 11. The crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth, Nazareth in Galilee. But who is this really? It's the question for today. Um, most of the early names that Jesus was called referred to implied in one way or another that he was a king. Um, uh, one of the first ones used in, in John, first chapter of John by Andrew was that he was the Messiah. Um, in John, in John, first John 1, 41, it says, Andrew first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which translated means Christ or the anointed one, which is the king. If you remember, um, throughout their history, that, that, was the, that was one of the things. Samuel anointed David. And so it was a sign of, of kingship that was used. And they were expecting a king. All along they were expecting a king. About, let's see, four verses down, um, he's called um, the king of Israel or the son of God in 145. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses wrote in the law and the prophets also wrote, Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. And you skip down to verse 48, Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. He was also called the son of David, um, which is what the crowds were saying. Hosanna, hail to the son of David. And he was also called the Lamb of God. Um, you know how many place, places in the New Testament Lamb of God is for his title? In John and Revelation, it's the only two places that, I, that I've found where his title is Lamb of God. Um, it's interesting because even in John, it's, it's in the same verse, I mean in the same chapter. And um, it's interesting because I've read some commentary. I don't know how many of you know D.A. Carson, but he's a pretty renowned um, apologist. And um, he takes issue with some of the ways we see that now when we read the, the, the Bible. We, we tend to read it backwards with the revelation that we have. And um, he, he takes the position that when John the Baptist calls him Lamb of God, He's thinking of him as a warrior king, that he is coming 
um, as a, a warrior king. And, you know, as I've just kind of thought about that, because you throw things out that are maybe kind of new to people, it's like, okay, am I on, am I on thin ice here, or, or is this a possibility? And, you know, the disciples all along um, were thinking he was going to be a king, you know. And even John... <coughs> When he was in prison, he 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 sent a message to uh, ask this question of Jesus: Are you the one? Are we looking? Or should we look for another? And so, Carson makes a, a good point that you know, in the mindset of the people back then, Lamb of God was like a warrior king, and and so how, how do you get that that kind of Lamb of God is going to do anything? And so it's basically that he, he was going to conquer every nation and, and rule them in that kind of way. Um, which, you know, I mean, he spent a lot of his time trying to teach his disciples that's not the kind of king he was going to be. Um, so it's interesting because John the Baptist was... He was a prophet, and so the first time he said this, look, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Uh, and he certainly was. But John, in John's mind, according to some of the commentators, was thinking it was going to be done in a whole different way by subjecting the kingdoms of the world at that time. Um, so... I wanted to look at one other place that the Lamb of God is spoken about, and it's spoken about like nine times in Revelation. Once in once in um, John, and nine times in Revelation. Uh, that was that was who he's known as. And so, we're going to look in Revelation five. I'm certainly not going to try to exegete this, but I wanted to just bring us to uh, an example of of the other John, the Apostle John, speaking and seeing him as the Lamb of God. So Revelation 5 says this, I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a book written inside and on the back, sealed up with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the book or to look into it. And one of the elders, no, excuse me, verse 4. Then I began to weep greatly because no one was found worthy to open the book or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Stop weeping. Behold, the lion of the tribe from Judah, the root of David, has overcome so as to open the book and its seven seals. And I saw between the throne with the four living creatures, the elder, a lamb standing as if slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him who was sat on the throne. 
And when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders bowed down before the lamb, each one holding a harp and golden, bowl, and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the book and to break the seals. For you were slain and purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. And so here in heaven, he's called the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Yet John turns and looks, and he sees a lamb as his slain. Some of the translations say, as his slaughtered. It's a much more graphic picture of how they saw from heaven. Um, I just want to go back as I, this is a little bit of a rabbit trail, but I got fascinated in this just because of, so this is a little bit of an aside from this, if you'll bear with me. It's like, I thought it was okay, but I never thought about it before. Why Judah? Why the tribe of Judah? He's like the fourth son. And in the culture back then, and way back in, in Abraham's time, it was the first son, it was the firstborn that got the, the double portion, that got you know all, all the significance, which I am, firstborn. But my youngest brother is the golden one, so. <laughs> uh, but I thought, okay, why is this, you know? And you know, God God chooses whom He chooses. Um, it was the second born, you know, with with Abraham's son Isaac. It was the second born for Isaac's son Jacob. Um, but now we're at the fourth son. Why not the first son? Because the the culture around those people recognized that the first son was going to be the the chosen one, you know, to carry on the family name. And yet here we have. Um, Judah, who wasn't like the the most shining, sterling son, you know, the life that we read about in there, but he's the one that was chosen. So um, I want to read a little bit about Jacob's blessings on his son, just so you can see the why of how we finally get to the fourth son here. But in Genesis 49, this is what it says. It says, then Jacob summoned his sons and said, assemble yourselves that I may tell you what will befall you in the days to come. Gather together and hear, O sons of Jacob, and listen to Israel, your father. So Reuben is the firstborn. Um, and this is what he says to Reuben. Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might the first sign of my strength, excelling in honor, excelling in power, turbulent as the waters, you will no longer excel. For you went up into your father's bed onto my couch and defiled it. Reuben uh, lay with 
Jacob's concubine, and that was a no-no. That's a big no-no back then, and it totally disqualified him from any consideration in the light of his father of, of having the blessing of being a firstborn. That's just the first one. So then we go to Simon and, Le- Simon and Levi, and why, why in the world didn't they get to be uh, honored in some way? So these were um, let me see, let me find the scripture. Yeah, here's the scripture. This is what Jacob said would their lives would hold or represent as he as he gave them his blessing. Simon and Levi are brothers. Wait a minute. Make sure I give you the right one. Their swords are weapons of violence. Let me not enter their council. Let me not join their assembly. For they have killed men in their anger and hamstrung oxen as they pleased. Cursed be their anger, so fierce, and their fury so cruel. I will scatter them in Jacob and disperse them in Israel. So what did they do? Well, if you want to read the story, it's back in Genesis 34. Um, uh, Someone had uh, dishonored their sister, Dinah, and uh, raped her, and they they wanted vengeance for it. So what happened is, all the sons of Jacob and Jacob agreed with this. This was she- Shechem was a different, different group of people all together, and and yet they still wanted Dinah to be her his wife. And so um, they made this agreement with them that if they would become like them, if they would become circumcised, then then they they give Dinah to them. And so what happened was they made this agreement. And then Simon and Levi went in and slaughtered and killed all the men of Shechem. Uh, and it was, they went back on what they had honored. They dishonored their father, and then they dishonored this, this uh, oath that they had made with this other tribe. And for that reason, um, Jacob saw fit to, to not give them anything at all. So we finally come to Judah, and this is what, Judah gets a whole lot more space than the rest of them, he he and Joseph. So this is what it says, and to Jacob's fourth son, Judah, your brothers will praise you. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's son shall bow down to you, remember his dream. Judah is a lion's whelp, in other words, a cub, small lion. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He crouches, he lies down as a lion. And as a lion, who dares rouse him? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until Shiloh comes. Shiloh actually means the gift of God, so until the gift of God comes. 
So the ruler's staff will not depart until Shiloh comes. And to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. He ties his foal to the vine and his donkey's colt to the choice vine. He washes his garments in wine and his robe in the blood of grapes. His eyes are dull from wine and his teeth white from milk. So there we have the reason uh, and the blessing that falls on Judah the fourth son. Um, so we have these two names that are basically, other than king of kings in Re Revelation, um, Jesus is looked upon as the lion of the tribe of Judah and the lamb of God. And so, you know, it's, I just begin to think about this and, you know, with it kind of to me is a little bit descriptive of the byline for March weather. This this holy week is that way. Um, you know, he's, he comes in like a lion. I mean, the people were praising him. You know, um, he was the son of David. All this points to kingship. So he he comes in in this way. And yet. A few days later, uh, they're yelling, "Crucify him!" So he gave, he 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 goes out as a lamb. And so you know, I begin to think about that um, just in in the bigger picture of um, why it's that way. And uh, I, I I got this particular quote out of Precept also <coughs> website that I use a lot. That's it's a reformed website that's got way more detail in it than, than I can absorb, but it's, it said this, for the lion of Judah must first be the lion of God, I'm sorry, the lamb of God, in order to purchase redemption and earn the right to go forth as a lion in judgment. Here we see the character of God, grace and mercy preceding judgment. In one brilliant stroke, John portrays a central theme of the New Testament revelation, victory through sacrifice. And as I was thinking about this, and you know, from the, from the earth standpoint, you know, he came in as a lion, and then he was crucified, and he went out as a lamb. And yet from heaven's standpoint, he came in as a lamb. <laughs> Later on in Revelation, it says, the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. It had always been predestined, if you will, uh, that that was his mission and his purpose for coming to earth. And so uh, that was the mindset that he came. He came in as a lamb to be crucified and slain for the sins of the world. And yet, um, he goes back as a, as a lamb of sacrifice, but also as a lion, as the king of kings and the lord of lords. And so I, I just, you know, to me, finding these little things to dwell on about the perspective from heaven and then how we don't see things from the earth side sometimes until later on. Um, and even there are many things now that I'm sure that we'll see differently uh, when we see him face to face. 
if we think about it at all. I, I, I think, you know, we always hear this thing about where we're going to live and what we're going to do and how we're going to think. And But there's going to be, and we can't even talk about so much worship of who he is. Just the glory and the majesty of who he is that will so overwhelm us, I think, that that's, who's going to be worried about questions? Questions that you had when you were on earth. You know, or what are we going to do next? What are we going to do this afternoon? Um, I, it, no, no man has seen or thought of how great that's going to be. And, you know, I, I just have thought, well, that's a lot of great information, Preston, but what am I supposed to get out of it? And, you know, I hope that you will meditate on those two titles that um, the perspective from heaven gives him. Um, I, I, I've got some things that I, I felt like the Lord impressed upon me about this because, you know, victory through sacrifice, and you think about that. Um, here are some things that I wrote down, and I trust that you will meditate on it on it yourselves, but uh, one of them is we've all been weary and heavy laden by sin. And his invitation to, is to learn from him who's gent, gentle and lowly of heart. Is that, how hard is that to learn? It takes some of us a lifetime to be, if we, maybe, we're, maybe we're just disposed to be gentle, but lowly of heart is another thing and I feel like that's the one thing the Lord's kind of dealing with me about right now is is that particular thing and he came to serve not to be served he learned obedience through the things he suffered so that he would be a high priest that could sympathize with our weaknesses he learned compassion as a high priest, the highest of high priests, and I'm thinking about these. Th these are these are these are the truths that he wants us to walk out and reflect in the world. You know, when being insulted, he didn't insult in return, um, but he trusted God. That's learning to respond in the opposite spirit, which is <coughs> totally not our nature. You know without the grace of God. He humbled himself in the presence of God and was exalted in due time. All these are things that you can find these in the scripture. And there are more. I mean, these are the ones that I've written down, but, you know, I, I just have reflected. This is the thing, the new thing, Jason, that I've reflected on this for this week. And, um, you know, it's like, to be lamb-like, not not like a not like a lamb that's lost all the time, but one that is um, is trusting, learns to hear the master's voice and trust him, and and a willingness to sacrifice and lay down our lives. Um, what you know, we're we're to do that by expressing that kind of thing to other people. I mean, that's what his life was about, and. 
gives us this example to follow, and um, you can't do it without the grace of God, you know. Um, you can lay down your life for a while, but after a while you get tired of it. It's like, okay, I need a break, I'm, I'm tired of this, uh, when do I get my turn, you know. But the Lord always seemed to have time, first for God, and because of that, he had time for people. Uh, I can't imagine some of the, the days for him as how how tiring it must have been and how much he would be tired and yet people were calling on him and he 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 responded he responded to them um, but at the same time it's not an either or he also wants us to be like a lion in that we're that bold and confident about the gospel. Uh, and when he taps us on the shoulder, we're not intimidated by who it is or the audience, but we can speak with great confidence about that truth and the fact that how good the news really is for us. And so, you know, I think for me, it's like in my human weaknesses, as I tend to hopefully grow and get strong in the spirit with that strength also comes this humility um, toward and grace towards other people and so somehow or another that that well done and good and faithful servant at the end is like it's like um, victory to get there comes through sacrifice um, and so you know the question is who is this Jesus to you? I mean, I'm speaking to the choir here, but who is he? Who is he this week? You know, always Lord, and but he, he is also Savior. And I think between those two things, we have to learn to walk in a place of great humility and, and obedience and a great confidence um, in, in the grace that he's given us to live out this life that he wants us to live. Um, so it's a short message. This is it. We can talk about it later if you want to. But Father, I just thank you that uh, we have this whole week, Lord, and for those that have begun reflecting even as this time that we call Lent uh, and what it takes, Father, to, to repent and consider um, our sins and, and to walk into this particular week. I pray that this week would really truly be a, a culmination, Father, of um, new, new understanding of something about you, uh, the cost of what it was for you to, to, to redeem us and to call us back to the Father, and, or even, Lord, the, the joy that you you find in presenting God's redeeming to Himself, and we just bless you. Pray that Lord, as we as we steal away uh, time this week, uh, this special week, that you would be so faithful to speak to us the things that our heart needs to hear, the things that will put our spirits in a new place. And Lord, I just I just bless you and ask that for your people. In the name of Jesus, amen. You know, there's so many things in Scripture that become <coughs> clearer the more you take on and think about life in general. And one of the things is, you know, 
with all the confusion about what the people were expecting the Messiah to be versus God's order of things. Mm-hmm. You know, what is it, the scripture says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Mm-hmm. And that's the order that Jesus came in. What does it profit if he saves them from Rome and gives them power over all other countries and they're lost? Yeah. And so they're dead in their trespasses and sin. So the, the order's got to be, you've got to recognize sin and repent. Because if you don't, then not, nothing else makes any difference. Yeah. It doesn't make any difference if you gain all the riches and you gain mastery over the world. You're lost in your sin. Yeah. Eternally. It's so hard. I, I, I often think about, well, not often, but every now and then I think, where would I have been if I had lived in that time? Not having anything but the culture of religion for 400 years uh, and then this guy appears that makes all these claims and you know I really <laughs> I really think it's the grace of God that he waited to me uh, be the grace of God that he waited now to put me on the earth um, in, the, in the knowledge that's available to, to see more of the story but not all of it yet um, uh, and so he's so gracious his timing is right for each of us it's not like you know it seems like it's an easy time to live right now we think that that uh, what we're beginning to face with how confusing the world is about confused the world is about things now uh, but it's the right time for us he didn't make a mistake <laughs> he didn't make a mistake that if you're a, a guy or a girl he didn't make a mistake if you uh, of your hair color or whether you have hair he just does everything good and so I think learning to remember that in the midst of the places that we find ourselves um, just he, he, he only gives good things I'll tell you that no matter what you're kind of walking God only gives good things and anything that doesn't feel good he can use for good depending on our response towards him yeah, so